This episode originally aired September 3rd, 2021 on the Unethical Patreon. Our client today is none other than O.J. Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so putting on my theoretical O.J. face. Hey, get the door, RJ. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Who is it? It's uh, Orenthal James Simpson. Oh. oh, my God. You guys, OJ's here. The juice? Get let him in. The oh, juice. All right. Uh, g- come on in, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's fantastic to be here. I uh, just uh, got done running through Hertz through the uh, airport and tired right now. Just got back into uh, Brentwood myself. So go, OJ, go. Go, OJ, go. That was fun ads. You were you were cool once, OJ. Oh, What's up? thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll get down to business here. The reason I'm here is, uh, if you haven't heard, my ex-wife, Nicole, the love of my life, has been murdered gruesomely by a gang of thugs or somebody out in Brentwood. And, well, need somebody to help me find them. And uh, saw your ad on, on the Facebook page there. And, well, the juice was on Twitter and Facebook here. And just figured I'd give you guys a holler and track you on down. That's crazy. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, no. Uh, I I saw all that stuff. Uh, you you don't. Do you want me to figure out who killed Ron too, or just Nicole? I'm sorry. Who's uh Who's this? Oh, yeah, yeah. The kid. The kid. Uh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. While you're at it, hopefully you find out who got him too. So. All right. Well, what do you think, Rick? Should we take on OJ as a client, buddy? <laughs> it's risky, but I think we should do it. Yeah, I think we, it's easy. I don't know why people haven't figured this out already. We'll fucking, we'll solve that no problem. It's, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like RJ already knows who did it at this point. Fantastic. I I'm not going to say it in his presence though. Fantastic. The private dicks and in the juice. It's uh fits like a glove, gentlemen. Fits like a glove. Okay, OJ. Well, you know what? We'll call you back when we get it solved. We'll let you know. And then uh, RJ or Rick will send you the bill. It'll be good. I, I think you can afford it now. You don't have to. You got money now, right? You're yeah, the juice. The juice can afford anything. Okay. Okay. Well, he could also sign these uh, these jerseys that I got at an auction, and that no, would be. Don't sell them to any hotels, kid, and you're good. I'll sign them. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate it, gentlemen. Until next time. Leia. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Do you think he'll kill us if we get it wrong? I think, uh, I hope after this is all done and we do get it wrong, it gets by his desk anyway. And he listens to whatever we have to say. And legitimately, I hope OJ listens to this. Hmm. OJ, Orenthal, if you're listening, listen. So if you're listening, listen, (laughs) that's, that's the shout out. Yeah. Don't stop listening. Dickhead. Keep listening. (laughs) I tried to keep OJ out of this as much as possible till like near the end. So it's not really about OJ. This is more about Hmm. the murder of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown. Ronald Lyle Goldman, or Ron, was born on July 2nd, 1968 in Chicago. 
he grew up in Buffalo Grove, which is just about 50 kilometers northwest of Chicago's downtown. So it's not too far from the big city. It's a, a suburb, they might say. Uh, his mother, Sharon Rufo, and father, Frederick Goldman, were divorced, and he primarily lived with his father and his little sister, Kim. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Fred Goldman, but he has the best mustache in the game. All yeah. right. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, like, take the time, whoever's listening to this, to just look up his mustache. And he hasn't changed it. It's been the same. He's got the same one he did in 95. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's sick. <laughs> and he seriously, it's not an ironic mustache. He he does that on purpose. So that's Holy fantastic. Shit. Monopoly and then the OJ trial? That's crazy. <laughs> Dude was on a hot streak for a minute. There. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Ron went to high school at Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire, Illinois. Uh, he was a camp counselor and volunteered to help children with cerebral palsy. Uh, he went to Illinois State University for a year to study psychology. In university, he was a frat boy. He pledged for Sigma whatever. I don't know what these fucking symbols mean. So he applied for some shit. I don't give a shit. Uh, he dropped out of school, like out of college to move with his family to California in 1987. He was 18 at the time. So he moved to LA and fell in love with the California lifestyle. He was an avid surfer, tennis player, volleyball player. Uh, for a while, he was a tennis instructor. They even call him a, a tennis pro at some point. He was also a third degree black belt which I find is pretty rare for a 25-year-old if he even was a 25 uh, third-degree black belt. That's, that's him in your background, right? Yeah. That looks like a guy who would lie about being a black belt. Oh, for sure. I, I, I feel like it's like 20 years to become a fucking third-degree black belt-like monster, but I don't know about... That dude's a third drink at the bar getting in a tough with somebody black belt. Yeah. What I don't understand is why is he making this face where he's like pointing his eyebrows together when his eyes are already so close? <laughs> maybe, maybe he's not. Maybe he's trying to pull him apart. He's self-conscious about it. Oh shit. I maybe he was a black belt. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Uh, he worked out at a trendy gym. He served at trendy restaurants and partied at trendy clubs during the evenings. According to his friends, he didn't do drugs and he lived a very clean lifestyle. Ron was a very good-looking young man. He used to dabble in the modeling as well. That's, I think, one of his modeling pictures. That's what you're looking at right there. He was a contestant on a short-lived show called Studs. And this game is like basically like he goes on dates with three different girls. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. But if at the end, if you win, you get to go on an all-expense-paid date with the girl. You can still win, though, Ron, because it's, it's double or nothing now. All you got to do is tell me who you want to go out with. If she wants to go out with you again... Stalling, you get to go and we pay for it, all right? Sure. We'll start with you. All right. Uh, I didn't pick Connie. Mm. Um, it dragged too long. I had no clue, like, really where the feelings were, so I kind of left Connie out. Okay. Um, didn't pick Vala. Mm. Um, Vala's a great girl, but um, I just had the best date with Diane. Okay. Yeah! All right. And if Diane had her best date with you, where are you guys going to go? Um, I figure we get a houseboat on the Colorado River for a couple days and lie naked during the day and of course <laughs> make love naked at night <laughs> fucking ron ron goldman's date idea was to fucking rent a houseboat 
and go down the fucking Colorado River. What the fuck is that? That is the weirdest, most random date I've ever heard in my life. No, it's the implication. <laughs> yeah, he, he heard all expense paid date rape. Yeah. He's not going to force her to have sex, but she can't go anywhere. So it's the implication. Yeah, it's the old, what? it's always sunny theory. Dennis's theory. Yep. It's, it's implied. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to tell you right now, those girls on that show too fucking loved him. He didn't win. The other guy won. But they were all like, this guy's hot. This guy's sexy. Like, this guy was smashing all the time. Okay? He was banging girls. I- I'm guaranteeing it. That's crazy. But only if they were like within this portion of his line of sight, right? <laughs> yeah, because yes. Like that, that's three inches straight <laughs> in front of him, not on the sides. Yeah, he does no peripheral. That's yeah, he's really got like four of inches of head meat on either side of his head. <laughs> That's crazy. He did have a girlfriend, believe it or not, even with the eyes. I believe it. Jackie Bell. Uh, that's what her name was. But they broke it off three months before his death. So he was newly single when he died. Uh, he moved to Brentwood uh, 18 months before his death. And this slowed down his partying a lot. Brentwood's kind of like a trendy L.A. area. It's like where rich people live for sure. And it's got like expensive restaurants and nice nightclubs and shit. It's, it's not the shitty part of L.A. You know what I mean? It's super nice. Mm-hmm. So when he moved there, he just partied on weekends. He stopped partying every goddamn day. Uh, Also, he got an emergency medical technician license not long before his death. So I think he was, I don't think he was going to use it really because he really had more of a dream to open his own restaurant in Brentwood. (laughs) And he wasn't going to name it a name. He was going to name it a symbol like Prince, (laughs) but like the ank symbol. Do you know what the ank is? The onk, onk, ank. Yep. What a dickhead. Yeah. yeah, it's super fucking cheese, but it's so 90s. And he had the tattoo on his arm, so it would have matched his arm tattoo. Incredible. Yeah. Something about this guy makes me want to kill him. <laughs> he just, uh, honestly, like, Ron Goldman was just a kid, you know? He was just literally 25 when he died. And he really didn't get to do much. He just was going out banging chicks. Like, that's what he, his goal was. Go be a tennis instructor, go surfing, pick up girls. Go to that, what is your bar for much? Jesus Christ. He got to do everything. No, I know, but he didn't know uh, much. That's not banging girls is just a part of life. There's no, but you just more said, to it. You, 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 banging girls was one, but then you said tennis instructor. Did you, did you, I'm yeah, pretty sure surfing. All that is, is, yeah, all that is, is like living on a beach. That's not like, well, you're okay, not... yeah, he didn't accomplish th- great things. He did. He fucking... How rich were his parents prior to the death? Yeah. Like, was he like a trust fund baby? Uh, I'm going to say is he was rich because he was just a fucking waiter. He couldn't afford where he lived. No, by himself. I doubt it. That's a pretty good 25 years. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I, I to me, it's like, he just, it's shut out early. He died at 25. It's like a very young fucking age. You know what I mean? I guess. But what were you doing when you were 25? Stand up traveling. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Depends who you are. <laughs> it's just much sadder than just getting to live in L.A. and fucking do yeah. whatever you want because it's financed by somebody. You literally became a black belt in half the time than most yes. people because you have so much money. Okay. Well, Ron, oh, sorry. About I, I, you guys agree to disagree. I think he did jack squat. You guys think he lived the fucking charmed life. That's cool. Good for you guys. I'm down. I, Very I'm down. privileged young man. Oh, for sure. No one didn't say he was privileged. Fuck, he was on the... He was good looking. Yeah, he was on a fucking reality show. God damn it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's move to Nicole a bit here. Uh, Nicole Brown was born in Frankfurt, Germany on May 19th, 1959. She was the second oldest of four sisters. 
Her mom, Judy Brown, was German, and her father, Lou Brown Jr., was American. They were married in Switzerland when Lou is correspondent for the military publication Stars and Stripes, based out of Germany. Wait a minute. What year did those two get married? That's a little sus. They were married for actually 58 years before he died in 2014, so figure it out when they got married. 58 years they were married. 2014. Minus that out. I don't know. I can't do math. Uh, when they moved to Garden Grove, California, Nicole had no trouble adjusting to the change. Uh, she, when she was in high school, her parents and three siblings moved to Dana Point, California. She was named homecoming princess at the 1976 Dana Hills High School and was said to be uh, gravitate to the beaches even at a young age. Uh, May 20th, 1977, a day after her 18th birthday, she graduated high school. She had a job for two weeks after that at a clothing shop, then got a job at the upscale Beverly Hills nightclub, The Daisy. The Daisy was a members only nightclub. Its initiation was $500 at the time when Nicole worked there. And throughout its illustrious existence, it was the location of many famous pop culture moments. I'm not even going to wrap them off. There is a bunch of shit that happened at The Daisy. It's a famous little place. So for her at 18, this is a really good gig. She's two weeks into being 18. Remember this? What year so, is it? 1977. She's eight. Damn. Yeah. She's older than my mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was 10 years older than Ron. I was just going to say that's that didn't seem to add up. So, <laughs> no, yeah. She was 10 years older than Ron. Mm. So on her first shift, she met her future husband, Orenthal James Simpson. Uh, he was 29 at the time and she caught his eye as soon as he saw her. That's what he says. OJ was a famous sports star at the time, but Nicole didn't really know who he was. So that kind of, I think, turned him on even more. Like, somebody who doesn't know I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was married when he met Nicole, but that didn't stop them from having an affair and ultimately causing OJ to divorce his first wife, Marguerite Whitley, Whitley in 1979, whom he already had three kids with. Mm, yes. Well, that's just uh, celebrity true love. Yes requirement to already be married before you can meet the one <laughs> yeah you want to you want it to get worse i'll make it worse arnell is his firstborn she was born in 1967 jason in 1970 their third one was born in 1977 his name was aaron uh, and he died as a toddler in a swimming pool accident just before her second birthday uh, she didn't drown but days later died while in a coma so, by the way, Marguerite was pregnant with Aaron when Nicole and OJ first started dating. Wow. Yeah. So he's like, fuck my pregnant wife. And then they were fighting. I'm just going to say somebody wasn't watching the baby. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. OJ moved out of the Rockingham. I got to say one more thing about OJ's past because I didn't really get into it much. Is it about the dead baby? No, but that's the funny part. <laughs> <laughs> When OJ was a young, when he was a kid in Chicago, he joined a, a gang called the Persian Warriors. I love it. Fucking incredible. <laughs> he went, he, yeah. And then he met Willie Mays and Willie Mays is like, stick with sport. Don't get in gangs and you can be just like me. And, <laughs> and he did. He, yeah, I'm serious. Willie Mays got him off of the Persian wow. Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was he Persian? He's not Persian, right? No, There's I no feel Persian like that's, that's the name of a gang that doesn't know what Persian means. <laughs> they just think it like sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> OJ uh, and his wife lived in their the same place OJ lived with with Nicole, which was uh, his Rockingham estate. And he'd actually moved out in 19, ni- or 1977 when he and Marguerite divorced. 
but he moved back in the house at some point. I couldn't figure out when he moved back, but I know he left before she left. She got time to leave. He, he I'm just trying to give a history of this place because he had it for a long fucking time. And he still has it to this day, right? Just like all of his possessions. No, no, no. no. It's she gone. Wow. It's reported that Marguerite wanted to keep the house, but Oja refused to leave. So I'm not exactly sure how that went down. So she just tried to be like, I get the house. He's like, I'm fucking OJ. Get the fuck out of the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Nicole enrolled in Saddleback College while she, she dropped out a few months later, stating that she had to uh, get out of school because OJ required that she be with him. <laughs> so OJ was that controlling. Nicole and OJ married in February 1985, which is also the same year their daughter, Sydney, was born about eight months later. So I'm guessing there might've been a pregnancy and he went, we're good Catholic people. Let's get married. I didn't know they had a kid. Oh yeah. They have two. Yeah. No shit. Hmm. I don't I couldn't figure out either way, whether or not they were, it was conceived. And then OJ went, I got to make a woman. Cause you know, there was a different obligation back then to like marry someone who's pregnant. If you're Catholic like that. So I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but it's just my feeling. What year was it? She got pregnant. 1985. Mm, Yeah. That mean, that was, Long time ago. Yeah. Um, Their son was born in 1988. They were, uh, when they were married though, they were married in the Rockingham estate in the backyard. So where he used to live with his ex-wife and where his youngest kid died in the swimming pool, same place they got married. Power move. Yeah. Yeah. Power. I I own my past. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Justin is Nicole's younger or Nicole's youngest. And he was born in 1988. Uh, Nicole and OJ had a tumultuous marriage that lasted seven years. Oh, uh, Nicole was considered a great mother and refused to have nannies. That's what they said. She was a great mom. She didn't get nannies. I was like, yeah, lots of moms don't get nannies and they're still douchebags. It doesn't mean anything just because she could afford it. She didn't do it. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, she would bring the kids to all their various karate and dance lessons. She was a stay at home. She you'll see what happens in a bit. She planned all the birthday parties, family gatherings at their home in Brentwood. Throughout those seven years, OJ was unfaithful and abusive, both verbally and physically. In 1988, hearsay. Uh, no, not hearsay. Fact. Rumors. In, we'll see. slander. We'll see. In 1988, OJ brought uh, bought Nicole a Ferrari. She called it his way of apologizing, so for being an asshole. So he just bought her a Ferrari, and then they divorced February 25th, 1992, stating irreconcilable differences. She moved out into a condo at Gretna Greenway. Uh, the place is about five kilometers, or sorry, the place cost her 5000 a month. It's a big old nice place. She rented out her spare room to friend Chris Cato Kalen, who is an aspiring actor and part-time babysitter for Justin and Sydney. The divorce was settled in October 1992, and Nicole was awarded $433,000 settlement and a $10,000 a month child support payment. <laughs> Oh God. Wow. So much. Yeah. She also kept uh, the deed for a property they had in San Francisco. So she got a nice settlement. She got a nice divorce. Good for her. Yeah. Now until later, I guess the two, yeah, the two tried to reconcile in 1993, but that fell through pretty quickly. So when she kind of fell through, she sold the property in San Francisco and bought a condo at Bundy drive four call four kilometers away from OJ's mansion. So she'd be closer to the kids and the kids could be closer to OJ. Cause they were, they were getting along. Like she went to uh premiere to make a gun 33 and a third, like in 94, they weren't together, but she went with them with the kids and like, they were amicable, I should say. All right. They you were should still say that. 
yeah, they were still seeing each other regularly, but Nicole definitely dropped the Simpson from her name when she went out in public. Uh, the separation seemed amicable enough because OJ, Nicole, and the kids were all on the red carpet. Yeah, okay, I said that part. So, uh, and that was in March 16th, 1994, when she went to that. So she was killed in June, 1994. So it was like months before her murder that she was hanging out with OJ and the rest of them. Uh, they also went on vacation that same month to Mexico for Easter with the Kardashian family. Six weeks uh, before the murder in April or early May, 1994, this is where the stories intersect. All right. Uh, Ron and Nicole meet. Ron was 10 years or junior. I'm not really sure where they met, whether it was at the gym, at the clubs, while he was waiting tables at the restaurant she frequented or just randomly somewhere in Brentwood, but they're, they said to be friends for at least six weeks before they used to go for coffee together. They went out to dinners together. They went to each other to the clubs with each other. Ron would actually brag about pulling up at nightclubs in her Ferrari driving, watching all the heads turn. So she'd be like, drive it, drive us up, Ronnie. Uh, Ron actually borrowed her Ferrari one time on his own to go pick up a friend for lunch, which I find kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like he went without her. Like, you think you'd just lend your Ferrari out to a 25 year old if you're in your thirties. That was fucking them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. There's, there's uh, lots of people say they weren't fucking and lots of people say they're dating. Lots of people are wrong every day, Richard. That's true. I, I think they were dating after reading all this. I'm sorry. I think they were just friends. Sorry, but I think they were just fucking. Like, I think she right. was just out for a fuck. I don't think they were dating per se, but they were definitely like, you don't land a Ferrari out to no. somebody who didn't just have your penis in their mouth. You know what I mean? Like that's but, not, but that she's works. this older, effectively rich spinster with a Ferrari who has this 25 year old hanging around with her. I mean, come on. Of course you're going to be like, yes, mommy will let you borrow the Ferrari. Gross. But yeah, I mean, she's a babe and a half, even at 35. She- there is nothing gross about borrowing mommy's Ferrari. All right. Yeah, exactly. I, I just ended by saying uh, that you don't lend someone your Ferrari unless you had your penis in your mouth. Then you called it mom's Ferrari. So that was where I was at with the whole that's gross. Mommy's. Mommy's. Ferrari. I got what you're saying. Don't be afraid to say mommy. Mommy. Richard. Mama. Mommy. Throw you in there. It can be mommy. <laughs> moom. Moom. <laughs> All right. So on June 12th, 1994, Nicole got up early, fed the kids and brought them shopping. Later in the day, Nicole and her parents and other members of the family were attending a dance recital for her daughter. OJ was also at the recital, but without his new girlfriend, Paula Barbieri. After the dance recital, at about 6.30 p.m., Nicole and her family and kids went for dinner at the Mezzaluna restaurant where Ron was a waiter. OJ was not invited, specifically told, don't come. Ron was not their server that night, uh, but there's accounts of them actually having a conversation. He, he might have been their greeter or something, whatever you call those people like when you walk into a restaurant. They had a lovely dinner, and Nicole, along with her kids, left the Mezzaluna and stopped for ice cream on the way home. When Nicole got home, she put the kids to bed. At 9 o'clock, OJ called Nicole. She didn't pick up. Faye Resnick, who was a close friend of Nicole, called from rehab at 9, uh, 9.15, and they talked for about 15, 20 minutes. Around 9.30... After a call from her mother, Nicole calls the Mezzaluna to say that her mother had forgotten her glasses at the restaurant. Now, Ron, being the nice guy that he is, and the guy who likes blowjobs like he is, says, I'll bring those back. No problem. After my shift. He probably did this because he consi- he was considered a good guy by all who knew him. 
and he also knew Nicole, and maybe he could touch her Ferrari again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> at some point around this time, Nicole had run a bath and lit some candles. Ron leaves work and stops in at his apartment, makes plans with his roommate to go out later that night, and leaves to drop the glasses off at Nicole's. This is at about 10 p.m. Between 10.15 and uh, 10.45, a dog is heard barking near Nicole's Bundy uh, Drive apartment in a very, quote, persistent and nonstop manner by multiple neighbors. Sydney and Justin, Nicole's kids, are sleeping upstairs in their bedroom. At 10.55, Stephen Schwab, a neighbor of Nicole's, was out walking his dog when he saw Nicole's Akita, which is a type of dog, named Kato which they named after Kato Kalen. <laughs> the kids named it after Kato Kalen, which I find hilarious. Incredible. You are basically the dog. I love it. I find that so funny. He's got the same brain power as that dog too, I'm sure. He's a moron. If you've ever seen Kato Kalen talk, he's an idiot. <laughs> a moron like a fox. Schwab saw the dog and it was seen by itself on the street with moist blood on its legs and paws. Then the dog followed him home, which is two and a half blocks away, and he gave it water. Uh, Schwab almost called the local animal shelter, but at a lot, around 11.45, Schwab's downstairs neighbor, Sukru Boztep, Sukru Boztep, decided to put a leash on the dog and walk it back to where Schwab had originally found it, just in case they could return Cato to its owner. At 11.58, the dog Cato brought him to Nicole's condo, where Boztep saw the body of Nicole Brown Simpson laying in a pool of her blood on a walkway on the side of her house. Ron's body was found dead nearby. Sydney and Justin were sleeping upstairs. The prevailing theory on how the murder took place claimed that the assailant bumped into Nicole by either knocking on her door or he was just lurking outside and she confronted him. An argument ensues about why that person was at her house or why the assailant was creeping around her house. Then the assailant pulls a six inch single edged knife delivering six slashes to her neck and throat. Then the assailant hit Nicole with the blunt end of his knife or just maybe even punched her, knocking her to the ground. She was not dead at this point because of the bruising on her head. She would have had to have significant blood pressure for the bruise to form, meaning she was still living. It is here where Ron is said to have showed up to deliver the glasses to Nicole. They know for sure Nicole was stabbed before Ron because Ron's shoes and socks were soaked in blood and Nicole had no blood on the bottom of her feet. But they do think Ron showed up and tried to break up the murder. Ron would have fought the assailant hard. He was a third degree black belt after all. But he was pinned up against an iron fence. It explains the many defensive wounds he had. His neck looked like it ripped the skin because the knife was twisted and he was backing up. So when he was stabbed, he was backing up and it ripped out of him instead of just cut. By the end, Ron had 22 or more stab wounds on his neck, abdomen, chest, hands and face. All while Nicole lay beaten and probably even stabbed a few times on the patio stones nearby. And Justin and Sydney were sleeping upstairs. It began to sound a lot more like someone had a problem with Ron more than Nicole. After leaving Goldman's lifeless body wrapped around a tree stump, the assailant walked over to Nicole, stood over her life, almost lifeless body, placed a foot on her back, grabbed her by the hair, lifting her head and exposing her throat, then slitting it so deep that they cut the vertebrae in the back inch or a centimeter and a half deep. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> turning her into what looks like less like a human Pez dispenser, but more like what a human whose head is mid Pac-Man death. Ooh, all right. Yeah, regret drinking the beers now. 
Oh, that one, that one hurts. Sydney and Justin were sleeping upstairs. Now, this is a very strong person, in my opinion, just to cut their head like that. Uh, at the scene, there was a black knit Navy watch cap was found at the scene covered in dog hair human hair containing fibers from the interior of a ford bronco a bloody glove was left near the body of ron goldman it was an extra large isotoner light glove richard rubin former executive isotoner said and i'm paraphrasing this because i didn't feel like writing the whole thing uh these gloves were considered quite rare and manufactured in very limited quantities inside the bloody glove there was cotton fibers found that matched the interior of a ford bronco out of what I imagine, 100 fingerprints at the scene, there were 15 that were unidentified. Uh, there was bloody footprints and paw prints all around the scene. One of the footprints didn't belong to Nicole Brown or Ron or Cato the dog. They were size 12 Bruno Magli shoes. Only 200 pair of size 12 Bruno Magli shoes were imported across only five high-end retail stores. The price tag for these shoes would have been about $160 in 1994 money. So that's about $300 now, $293 now. Mm -hmm. There were four different DNA types from all the blood drops left at the scene. One of the four is thought to be the assailant. Two others match with Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman. One was never actually identified. Sydney and Justin were rushed out of the back door next morning without knowing what had happened. Sydney called her house from the police station, pleading with her mom to call back and explain what happened last night and why they're at the police station. It's a rough night. <laughs> yeah. Who let her make that call? That is cruel. Yeah. I have a very queasy stomach in that one. Uh, that Pez dispenser bit, that got me. You have a queasy stomach? Yeah. Uh, there's photos of this shit and it's bad. They're bad. Like it, it's more brutal than I thought. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look that up. It's more brutal. Up. Don't do it. But I mean, if you want to do it, uh, they're not terrible. There's some censored ones. Look for like uncensored ones. It was hard. There's a couple uncensored ones. All right. So first thought though, is like Sydney and Justin are also OJ's Correct. kids, right? I don't think after I just brutally killed their mother, I would leave them in the house. This is kind of where theories do start. Maybe it was an actual third degree belt, black belt. That was just pissed off that he was a poser. Could be. He's <laughs> just like, you can't, it's like ninjas popped in. They're like, show us your third degree black belt. If you survive this, you get your fourth degree. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. Nicole just happened to be there. Defend the woman. Third degree murder, man. Okay. Wasn't planned. Fair enough. That's, that's an interesting theory. What do you got, RJ? Got anything? Uh, uh, I haven't. I haven't found the uncensored photos yet. Oh my god! Hey, don't put it up as your. I wouldn't you do asshole. that. These are for me. <laughs> I'll send you after. Do you have to see them now, you psycho? I, I mean, I guess not right now, but I am worried you'll forget. Uh, all right, I'll just go through some a little bit of stuff here. So I don't know if you guys watched any of this, but the main defense theory was. Do you know? Do you guys have any idea? So their theory was the uh, dog was, did it. Yeah, Cato the dog fucked them up. <laughs> I know about those those size 12 boots and all 200 pairs were mysteriously sold to some mysterious rich person named Akita. So I think we all know what that means. <laughs> the dog framed OJ. <laughs> Japanese billionaire uh, Illuminati to dog to assassinate him for him. OK, I'm down. Yeah. All right. So the defense's theory on the whole thing was that a drug dealer was looking to collect a debt from Faye Resnick. Johnny Cochran speculated in his opening statements that the debt was to be collected from Faye Resnick, but somehow Nicole and Ron got caught in the crossfire. Resnick was known to do drugs. The crossfire of the stabbing. Yeah, the cross stabbing. <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you miss so bad? You cut a woman's head off. Oh, I never knew it was that bad. That's what I was going to say. I didn't know. I, I knew he stabbed them, but I didn't know it was like to right to the fucking uh, vertebrae like that. That's fucking crazy. Right. It wasn't until you said that that I remember it being very casually referred to uh, growing up as hearing her head was cut off or whatever, but also knowing her head wasn't cut. It basically was, though, it sounds like. Yeah, right to the spine. So if you just would have. But he stepped on her back too. Like that's a scary fucking asshole, man. Stepped on her back, lifted her head up. Like that's the scary guy. That's fucking. I don't know. I just one thing to stab someone in the heat of rage and then run away. It's quite the other to go back and fucking like lob someone's head off. That's terrorist shit. That's scary. Fuck. It was a mean dog. Yeah, not not to keep jumping ahead, but I really don't buy the OJ story after hearing that. I don't know. I don't think you marry somebody. And even if you get divorced, you don't want to fucking like chop their head off like that. I made it very vague on purpose. I'll go through a couple theories and then we'll see what happens. We'll see who thinks what at the end. Because there okay. is a couple really good ones. Really fun ones, I find. Resnick was known to do drugs and she also stayed with Nicole a week before the murders. And then she was admitted into rehab. So that's why she was calling her from rehab. Kind of just, we, they just lived together. Just bef- after the murders, j- right after the murders, before the trial, uh, Faye wrote a book. And I'm not telling anybody the name of the fucking book because it's such a piece of shit move for her to like write the book. Uh, it was all about her and her friendship with Nicole. It painted them as both rabid cokeheads. And who's the drug dealers, according to Johnny Cochran, trying to kill uh, Bay Resnick? Co- the Colombian cartel. Shout out to the homies. <laughs> the only other time I've seen killings that like what was described, it, it usually is them in the online videos. It's true that or like a reporter in Afghanistan. But what he said, he said that the it was the cartel because of the way the blood, the bodies were left with Colombian neckties. Now, first of all, Johnny Cochran, that's not a Colombian necktie. The tongue wasn't hanging out the neck throat area. That's how a Colombian necktie is. They take the tongue, they left it through the throat hole. There wasn't that. So fuck you, Johnny Cochran. Maybe they just didn't have enough time to tie the tie. I don't know. <laughs> okay suicide dogs was not this fucking graphic is all i'm gonna say yeah. well this is uh, guys come on this is oj this is a big one like i gotta i gotta go big <sighs> i don't think you realize how hard this is for me to not throw up right <laughs> I now. Love man i did not beer. know that that i have a very very imaginative mind and i can literally picture all of it it's a lot easier to order a drone strike than it is to talk about it after right Anyway, <laughs> no, it's easy to talk about. Drone strikes are fine. That's nothing. Yeah, they're not yeah. victims. Then they're just collateral damage. <laughs> RJ gets it. You're obviously a right. victim. Thank you. you <laughs> Faye was interviewed by Larry King and and Geraldo Rivera in 1996, denying her drug use had anything to do with Nicole and Ron's death. In reality, there's really nothing to this theory. Uh, all investigators said that uh, there's like nothing like zero to suggest they owe to anybody any type of drug debt. This was just a tactic for Johnny Cochran and FB, F. Lee Bailey to uh, get their client off. Uh, with the brutal nature of the crime and the fact drug cartels don't mess around, it was a good tactic to add reasonable doubt to a jury. Fortunately, Judge Lance Ito, who presided over the case for the murder of both Brown and Goldman didn't allow Cochran to cross-examine any witnesses to the drug use of Faye Resnick. In California, there must be direct or circumstantial evidence to bring a third party to the crime in question. There was no evidence of a dealer, no one Nicole or Faye owed money to, nothing. There's like, it was all speculation. So this theory does explain the brutalness of the crime, but that's legitimately about it. 
everything else doesn't really make sense. It could be, but I mean, it would be so far-fetched. They would have to figure out like, how much money do you owe a drug dealer? And you're making like 10K a month. I don't think like, fuck, how much in debt were you? You know, how much cocaine can your little 30-year-old nose take? I don't know. White woman living in LA in the 90s? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. It's not underestimate her. The next one's my favorite one. And I never heard like, it's because I never heard it before. OJ hired serial killer Glenn Edward Rogers. Yeah. People believe that OJ hired serial killer Glenn Rogers, also known as the cross country killer, to steal back some jewelry from Nicole and bring it back to him. Obviously, he didn't know he was a serial killer. He just thought it was some guy. Oh, but, I thought he just looked up serial killers in the yellow yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He just thought it was some guy he hired, but it ended up being a serial killer. Craigslist is fucking wild. <laughs> 1995 Craigslist was the back pages of some fucking magazine, which is even scarier than Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> Need your ex-wife murdered? Do you yeah. do you want to make your ex-wife a Pez dispenser? Yeah. <laughs> Click here now. Yeah, you're clicking a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want it. So, and then he said to steal her some jewelry and bring it back to him. And then he also stipulated to Glenn Rogers that if Nicole gets in the way, kill her too, which he did and which he followed through with. So Rogers has also been convicted of killing two people and suspected of killing three more. Rogers's brother, Clay, says that his brother confessed uh, the killing of Ron and Nicole to him on death row. And he says this as a quote, he's absolutely certain his brother killed Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson. Absolutely certain. Okay. Uh, Now, does this hold any weight? Well, there is documentation of Glenn living in LA at the time of the house as a house painter. Clay Rogers also claims that weeks before the murder, his brother claimed he was hanging out with uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and he was going to actually kill her. So, this clay his brother doesn't sound like fucking too much better he was telling everyone that yeah i'm gonna kill this girl <laughs> nicole simpson i don't i don't know anything about uh glenn rogers does that mean because that fit with his mo does he go after young women or what's his he he was like an opportunity killer so he needed stuff and he would kill them like he traveled across the country like oh i need a hotel room I'm gonna kill the lady who bought it and, you know what i mean like he was an opportunity guy so then what was his opportunity from he could nicole? getting money from oj yeah, yeah. She, she was gonna let yeah, him. What are the, the chances Ferrari that this guy just was a painter, it. happened to be hanging out with her, and then OJ just so happened to hire him? I don't know. That just no. I'll keep going through it here. What, what's the opportunity there? Like, I don't see how that matches. He wasn't. Up. A, like, uh, he went on a serial killing after the alleged OJ thing, so that would have been his first kills, and then he would have moved on right after that. Like his next kills would have been. Oh, but his his victim profile is one elderly man and four women aged thirty three to thirty seven. So she definitely fit the description of yeah the one four women for sure. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, if you read on, he's not a very interesting serial killer. Most serial killers are boring, actually. There's only like six or seven that are really interesting. The rest are just like pieces of shit who kill fucking sex workers. You know what I mean? Like, oh, big deal. Fun. Not really. Um, it's the it's the Bundys out there that like escape prison twice. That shit's fun. It's not the killing of people. It's the what they did in between. Right. Yeah. So. Glenn Rogers also met with criminal profiler Anthony Mioli for the documentary My Brother, the Serial Killer. Roger told Mioli and provided a detailed account of the murder. Rogers even went as far as drawing a knife that matches what the forensics people said the knife would have looked like. Uh, Glenn Rogers had also confessed to over 70 killings in his lifetime, and then he recanted saying he didn't kill anyone at all. 
So this guy doesn't really sound like a very reliable person. Even though I think it's fun, it doesn't address all the other evidence. Like fucking DNA doesn't match. Shoes aren't the same. Hair fibers, the crime scene don't match. Didn't have a Bronco. There's like a million things that don't go along with it, except for I was a house painter and told my brother. So Rogers was captured actually in 1995 and mm-hmm. received the death set, a death penalty in both California and Florida. Uh, but F- Florida gets to kill him. He's still not dead though. But Florida gets the honors. Damn. So hopefully he dies soon. Man, I thought between those two states, he'd have been like electrocuted and gassed. Yeah. yeah. Like they would have like nailed him and then just shipped <laughs> the body somewhere else to fry yeah, are, it. Well, these are on different sides of the country, right? Florida and California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was going to say, let's meet at the border, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's meet just... in, in Louisiana. <laughs> there's, there's another theory here that is mentioned a lot on the internet. So I have to mention it. I'm not going to even go into it more than this sentence, but I'm saying it. The Illuminati. All right. OJ was under mind control by the Illuminati and he killed them. So. Always an option. Always not. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into that. I, uh, it's horseshit. It's always there. If we, we can always add Illuminati to whatever we're trying to solve as a theory. We could always. That's true. That. Why didn't you pay your credit card payment? Illuminati pal. <laughs> uh, all right. So theory, the next theory is OJ did it. Orenthal James did it. Was it because of his CTE? They think he has, can, he can't stop his rage. Maybe, but the only way you find out about that is through an autopsy. So when OJ dies, we'll find out if he had CTE. He's a 75 year old man now and seems to be keeping his temper under control. So maybe not, but who knows? Yeah. Which indicates to me, he probably doesn't because I can't imagine that the life, like the longevity is beyond 75 for most CTE yeah. victims, yeah. But there is a big like part of this being like OJ couldn't help himself because CTE. He's got brain like OJ did it, but it's CTE's fault, not OJ's fault. And I, I don't, I'm not down with that. I don't like it. Mental illness doesn't give you an excuse to be an asshole. It gives you an excuse to go fix yourself or go get help. It doesn't give it, you. It, I mean, it doesn't give you an excuse to be an asshole, but it it is a pretty tidy rationalization. Sure, I just don't buy it on OJ. I don't think OJ. No, was no, me neither. I don't think he was clobbered enough to be to get CT, but maybe uh, like football's a motherfucker. It hurts your head. So, yeah. So let's get into OJ and Nicole a little bit here. So OJ and Nicole, like I said earlier, did not have a healthy marriage. I didn't really tell you why. I just mentioned it. Uh, they were always yelling and screaming at each other. He would cheat on her and she would find out. And then she would always confront him about it. Uh, when she got pregnant, OJ said he slept with other women because Nicole got too fat during their marriage and after their marriage. Nicole called 911 on OJ beating her. So this they she made eight calls to the 911 about OJ. Damn. He was only arrested once for these calls. January 1st, 1989, an officer came to the Simpson estate to find Nicole huddled in the bushes, barely clothed and beaten, telling the officer, he's going to kill me. The beating left Nicole with a cut lip blackened left eye and cheek and a handprint on her neck. She also complained to the officer that they never do anything when they come. They just go talk to him and let him leave. And she was right. Uh, he was friends with and golfed with most of the police in Brentwood. These guys were his friends. Juice was their, was their buddy. When the mm. cops were there the night of the beating, he came outside. Oh, yeah. It was a family matter and they should just leave him and Nicole alone. 
Yeah, he probably gave him some tickets to the 49ers game, and they were like, oh, I will see you, buddy. We'll just let you handle this internally. Even better. Uh, the cops said that they were going to arrest him, and OJ went, no, you're not, and he got in his car and drove away. <laughs> I'm serious. Awesome. Uh, I'm guessing that after this whole thing, he threatened Nicole. Same, for a black guy uh, in the 90s, that's a huge fucking flex. <laughs> oh, for sure. He was, uh, he was so, like, out of the black community, though. Like, I don't even want to get into the politics of the whole thing, but, like, OJ was a fucking white guy. Let's be honest. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a it's a class thing at that yeah. point. It's not about, yeah. no, you know, I mean, like, yes, that always is a factor. But once money's involved like that, that's all that really matters. Yeah. He went he moved out of the, the shitty part of town into the rich white part of town and blended in. Right. Mm-hmm. He went he went in there. He didn't. He wasn't like anyways. I don't like I said, I tried to get out of state of the politics of the whole thing. But OJ. Uh, yeah. So coward. Yeah. I think OJ after this threatened Nicole with like cutting her off of money or whatever, uh, because she didn't press charges. She told the police she didn't want to press charges. Uh, and then she called the president of Hertz to personally tell him that the beating didn't happen. So OJ wouldn't lose his contract with Hertz, uh, car rentals, but she did take photos. I'm serious. OJ must've scared the shit out of her. No, I know. It's just so funny. Is he's beating her and he's concerned about his Hertz. Yeah contract like that's it's a little too tidy yeah, I like piece it. of shit so yeah. she took photos of her injuries and put them into a safety deposit box that was opened after her death oj pled no contest to spousal abuse because once they went there and they made the report they had to push it up the chain they couldn't just drop it so he pleaded no contest to spousal abuse and his sentence was 120 hours of community service and to pay a 470 dollar fine and then he would be on probation for two years since oj Ooh. Since OJ was OJ, he didn't have to go to the volunteer centers. He just raised money for Ronald McDonald House. I, I don't. I tried to find this. I Wait a minute. Can it. anybody do that? No. Can anybody do their community service no. as me just raising money? No. But OJ used a celebrity to. Uh, and I'm not. I I heard this on a podcast. I couldn't find the source for it, so I'm going to say it anyway. But I don't know for how 100 percent true it is. But the the fundraiser was a celebrity golf tournament with his buddies. <laughs> so he just he his 120 hours of service ended up being a golf trip with his pals. That is the most like baller shit. Like I love anyone that can find loopholes. I'm sorry, that's just awesome. <laughs> like no, I that's that's why it's incredible. Yeah, just like well, you have to you have to pay your debt to society. What's that? 120 hours of community service. Fuck it. Bottle service. (laughs) Easily that many golf games lined up. I'll give all the money to the kids. (laughs) Ronald McDonald House. There's some poor kids out there, right? All right. Anyways, the the reasoning behind it was the judge and the prosecutors thought that the normal route for serial abusers is therapy, a year in spousal abuse therapy, then some group therapy. Uh, All that stuff would have actually screwed with his schedule because he was a famous OJ who had lots of famous OJ stuff to do. Right. Naturally, as a rich person. We'd be damned if the juice will be interrupted. We have to accommodate him for beating his wife. But what are we going to do? Ruin one of America's treasured actors and sports people? Not in this country. It's so important. He's a hero. Uh, There is actually accounts of OJ after the divorce. I'm kind of jumping past here, but after the divorce, there's accounts that OJ revealed to Nicole that he had spied on her having a sexual encounter. So he was lurking outside of her house and watching her give a blowy, apparently. Mm. Mm. 
Well, she should have thought about it. Yeah, you don't get blowjobs in your new house by yourself with a new guy. Who do you think you are? Someone's about to get their head cut off. Yeah, exactly. So I did tell you they were trying to get reconcile the relationship and it fell through around 1993. Some reports have it at 94. Who cares? They tried. It fell through. Big deal. Uh, and I, but I think this was the uh, the nine one one call that broke the camel's back. OJ, there was actually this is a very famous nine one one call. It's probably the most famous nine one one call in the world uh, ever because it's been played on national television so much. Nine one one emergency. Can you get someone over here now to three two five Gretna Green? He's back. Please. Well, okay. What does he look like? He's OJ Simpson. I think you know his record. Could you just send somebody <laughs> okay. over here? Okay. What is he doing there? He just drove up again. <laughs> pause it there i just wanted to show you like she she literally said like you i've called on him before you know his record just fucking come here did she call the dispatchers or did she call direct to the police Nine one one. okay her assumption that they're definitely gonna know who it is is i mean that's not really how that works She's living in terror. She's not. It's it's Brentwood, dude. There's not many 911 calls coming in. It's not like uh, uh, like downtown Detroit. It's a it's a very high affluent place. The 911 calls are few and far between. I'm sure probably the same dispatcher talked to her before. I firmly doubt that because those places are the ones where they call 911 for people who didn't rake their leaves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I don't mean that way. I mean, like no one's calling 911 for their husband's beating like it's. There's not that much fucking crazy shit. Excuse me. My husband committed violence on me. What did he do, ma'am? He forgot my birthday, but then tried to make up for it after I reminded him. I would like to press charges. So she ends up hanging up from that phone call. All right. And then she calls again after OJ because OJ leaves for a second. But I guess she thought he'd left, but he really hadn't. So she calls back again. And then this is like play, press play from here. Okay, Nicole. Uh-huh. Just a moment. Does he have any weapons? I don't know. Okay. He went home and now he's back. My kids are upstairs sleeping and I don't want anything to happen. Okay. Has he hit you today or no? No. Okay. You don't need any paramedics or anything? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. You just want him to leave? My door. He broke the whole back door in. What? What does he say? Is he upset with something that you did? Oh. 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 Oh.
So OJ comes in, like OJ's fucking losing it. She has him on 911. OJ's in the background fucking losing it. And if you couldn't understand what she was saying there, she was just like explaining like OJ's a psycho. OJ does psycho shit all the time. I just want him to fuck off. And OJ's ranting and raving behind her. And what he says here is, we were okay. OJ refers to himself in the third person, which I find hilarious. OJ worked his ass off for this family. For Keith? He's a drug addict. His girlfriend is Heidi Fleece is a Heidi Fleece girl. He's losing his shit because she dated this guy named Keith. Is that is that Keith in the corner there? Uh no. I don't maybe in the screen. I didn't see uh, maybe. I oh. it doesn't really matter. He's just Keith Zlomowicz is who he's talking about. And he's the manager of the Mezzaluna. So where Ron worked. All right. And oh. and they dated in 1992. Uh, this is the guy OJ saw Nicole blowing or fucking or whatever it ended up being. Mm. This call, this 911 call was eight months just before her death. Yeah. Yeah. He did it. (laughs) The night before the recital, Paula Barbieri, OJ's year long on and off girlfriend broke up with OJ through a voicemail message. She was just on his arm Mm. the night before, uh, on the 11th of June at a red tie event. So on June 12th, the night of the murder, he goes to the recital by himself and he sees Nicole looking good and doing well without him, surrounded by friends and family. He's a lonesome little douchebag, no girlfriend who just broke up with him. Uh, And then she says, don't come to supper with us. So OJ was pissed about this. I guarantee it. He was already rejected earlier that day by his girlfriend, broken up with, and then he's rejected again at the recital. You don't reject the juice. And also this is the 12th. That's the night of the murder. Would all this bad news for OJ and one day make him go to the house? And then, and then Ron shows up, right? And then he sees Ron and thinks, like, you're fucking another young guy. Ron fights, but OJ's a fucking world-class athlete. I don't give a fuck what they said at court about him. That's the word I couldn't remember when I said sports people person. <laughs> yeah, OJ's a fucking top-of-the-game athlete. He, he was saying all through the trial that his exactly. arthritis was bad and he couldn't, his knees hurt. I'm sorry, 25-year-old surfer boy Ron had no chance against 225 pound of muscle OJ Simpson. Well, right. So he did run, but then all those injuries came when he was leaning to bend over to cut Nicole's head off. So he threw his back out, his arthritis flared up on the knife stroke. So he wasn't lying. And then and then he kills Ron. Then he goes, walks over to Nicole, lifts her fucking head to see Ron dying there and says something fucked up before she dies like this fuck boy is the reason your kids don't have a mom and then slice. The the day of that 911 call, did the police actually show up? Yes, they did. And OJ was still there? OJ left. OJ was ranting outside and then he left. He was talking to Kato outside for a little bit. Then he just fucked off. But you could hear OJ ranting in the background. It's not like he wasn't there and they, they just couldn't arrest him because he didn't do anything except for break the door. He paid for the door after he apologized. And then that was the end of that. Hmm. You say he was talking to the dog. He was talking. No, he was ta- I see what you did there. No, he was talking to Kato Kalen, the actual man who was living in the guest house outside. Is that the full dog's name? No, it's just Kato. Kato Kalen. Brian Kato Kalen is the little douchebag who they named the dog after. I know you know this. Oh, I thought the dog's name was Kato Kalen, the actual man living in the guest house. Outside. <laughs> I also thought that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Kato Kalen's a buddy of his. Or it's actually Nicole's friend. And, uh, he right. lived with Nicole. I, I no, got no, it. I'm just being No, I get that, but it, this is a, actually an interesting thing. He was no. Nicole's friend, not OJ's friend. But he, when OJ and Nicole broke up, 
he was renting that apartment from her, like the, the extra room. And OJ found out and he was like, this isn't appropriate for you to be living with my ex-wife. So you can come live on my beach house for free and don't bother paying your $500 rent anymore. So OJ was that possessive. That's awesome. Yeah. Kato Kayla would have had it made. He would have been in the next Naked Gun movie had they not been any murders. He would have been doing something now. He still is. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that the murder is the only reason he had any kind of publicity. But, you know, he, he, um, he had like a huge lawsuit that he won or settled in or something afterwards he's a millionaire anyways oh i'm sure he's he's doing fine for himself he's loaded yeah yeah Yeah, he he did a couple things before the whole murder like he was in some like you know those like after you know blue new is or red shoe diaries they're old school like late night tv shows that would be on like showtime that were basically porn because the internet didn't exist so you had like (laughs) you had like titties out and like some pubes like you'd get pubes after 11 you know and be like incredible yeah, and guess who and david duchovny hosted fucking red shoe diaries he was like the guy telling the stories damn. yeah oh yeah duchovny's been a pimp forever damn did they show jillian anderson's I titties i wish god damn it i love jillian anderson <laughs> <laughs> nothing better than a fucking that why you know so much about it <laughs> oh i loved how do i know so much about it i'm from that era i didn't have internet uh, no, I, was, I, was... I had to jerk off to these late night shows you think i i was a teenager <laughs> at these times i didn't get to go to you porn like you got to you were spoiled as a child i had to find i had to find uh... my porno in bushes in the middle of the bush somewhere in a ditch or on late night TV shows, HBO spank wank times. That's all I get. I feel like the latter part should have happened way more often than the, <laughs> the former. That, But somehow looking at you, I feel like it was mostly the former. Yeah. And that's by choice. Yeah, it's because I live in ditches. Yeah, <laughs> just crawling around naked in the woods as a 13-year-old. <laughs> what are you doing, kid? I'm horny. Lay off of me. <laughs> I'm looking for titties. <laughs> <laughs> Hunting. So he cuts he cuts Nicole's throat, gets back into his Bronco, heads home, where his limo driver, Alan Park, has been waiting since 1025 for OJ to come out so he can make his uh, flight to Chicago. Park then sees a tall man dressed in black enter the Rockingham estate from the back driveway. He's got two driveways, one in the front, one in the back. So he sees a tall guy walk through to the front, which everyone assumes is OJ. Park goes up to the house because he doesn't want OJ to be late buzzes the door oj answers and tells park he overslept park rushes him to the airport and oj is on his way to chicago by 11 45 the bodies are found around 12 10 a.m uh june 13th and by 5 a.m police are at oj's house to make sure he's okay they don't live far apart from each other uh like i said four kilometers which is two miles i think in your in american and he they were just scared that oh since the ex-wife was just murdered maybe oj was the real target so let's go check on oj they didn't even have any uh suspect to him right so when they get there detectives see blood on the door handle of oj's bronco and then they have probable cause to jump the wall to make sure oj's okay because they see some blood like obviously that's a good reason to jump right oj's not around but they find more blood stains on the driveway and oj's guest Brian Cato Kalen told the detectives uh, to search behind a guest house uh, as he was scared of some big bumps he heard a bit earlier. So Cato was giving the police permission to go give it a little bit more of a search. The detectives found another bloody glove at the OJ estate that matched the one at the Bundy, Bundy crime scene. The detectives declare that the Rockingham estate, a crime scene and wait for a warrant. 
by 10:45, so about three or four hours later, they have a warrant and they find more blood traces on the property and inside of the Bronco. By noon, OJ is back after being informed of Nicole's death. He is handcuffed and taken to the police station where he is questioned. When OJ is told that Nicole is dead, OJ's reaction is upset, but he never actually asks the police how or where or when. He just seemed upset. All right. Also, he asked the police if the kids saw the body, not if they were hurt. Sydney and Justin were sleeping upstairs. During the questioning by, by the LAPD, uh, it was noticed that OJ had a cut on his hand. He couldn't remember that he, how he got it, but he definitely said he got it that day. He also gave the LAPD some of his blood to test against the blood at the scene. So DNA was very new at the time. I'm pretty sure DNA, OJ's trial was the first time they ever used DNA in any type of trial in a big way. So I don't think he was scared of that. On June 16th, two days after, OJ takes his two kids to their mother's funeral to the shock and awe of everyone else. <laughs> On June 17th, the DNA from the crime scene comes back matching OJ in so many different places. The police issue a warrant for OJ's arrest and agrees to turn himself in by 11 a.m. He doesn't. He'd been staying at a friend, uh, his friend's house and his also one of his defense attorney's house, Rob Kardashian. The police go to Robert's house looking for OJ, but he and OJ, uh, sorry, but OJ and his longtime friend Al A.C. Collins had disappeared. So by 2 p.m., OJ is declared a fugitive and an APB is put out for him. 5 p.m., Robert Kardashian reads a note to the press that OJ left at his house. Okay, first of all, pause it. Just, we can just pause it for a second. Look at Robert Kardashian. What a fucking stud, eh? Look at that little skunk thing he's got on his forehead there. I don't even know if that's purposeful or if that's like uh, an accident, but look at it. God damn it. No? All right. Yeah, I'm not getting the same hard on you are. <laughs> Sorry. All right, play. Yeah. Maybe if he was in a sex video with a rapper. Was written by OJ today. To whom it may concern. First, everyone understand I have nothing to do with Nicole's murder. I loved her, always have, and always will. If we had a problem, it's because I, love her. I loved her so much. Recently, we came to the understanding that for now, we were not right for each other, at least for now. Despite our love, we were different, and that's why we mutually agreed to go our separate ways. It was tough splitting for a second time but we both knew it was for the best. Inside, I had no doubt that in the future, we would be close friends or more. Unlike what has been written in the press, Nicole and I had a great relationship for most of our lives together. Like all long-term relationships, we had a few downs and ups. I took the heat New Year's 1989 because 
that's what I was supposed to do. I did not plead no contest for any other reason but to protect our privacy and was advised it would end the press hype. I don't want to belabor knocking the press. But I can't believe what is being said. Most of it is totally made up. I know you have a job to do, but as a last wish, please, please, please leave my children in peace. Their lives will be tough enough. I want to send my love and thanks to all my friends. I'm sorry I can't name every one of you especially AC. Man, thanks for being in my life. The support and friendship I received from so many, Wayne Hughes, Lewis Marks, Frank Olson, Mark Packer, Bender, Bobby Kardashian. I wish we had spent more time together in recent years. My golfing buddies, us, Alan Austin, Mike, Craig, Bender, Weiler, Sandy, Jay, Donnie, thanks for the fun. All my teammates over the years, Reggie, you were soul of my pro career. Ahmad, I never stopped being proud of you. Marcus, you got a great lady in Catherine. Don't mess it up. Oh, killer. Bobby Chandler, thanks for always being there. Skip and Kathy. I love you guys. Without you, I never would have made it through this far. Marguerite, thanks for the early years. We had some fun. Paula, what can I say? You are special. I'm sorry, I'm not going to have, we're not going to have our chance. God brought you to me, I now see as I leave, you'll be in my <laughs> I think of my life and feel I've done most of the right things. So why do I end up like this? I can't go on. No matter what the outcome, people will look Anyways, and point. there's not much left to it. You I can stop there. I can't take that. I can't. Subject. I just wanted you guys. To, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just wanted you guys to see how much that sounds like a suicide note. Uh, also, I, I, yes. Uh, Why would they not proofread it before yeah. somebody read it on live television? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Uh, also, it highlighted a few things. OJ wasn't a good writer, and Robert Kardashian wasn't a good reader. So <laughs> he was having such a hard time. Damn. That was like a marathon of illiteracy. <laughs> there was. That was wild. So much stupidity, right? But like that that sounded like OJ was going to kill himself. His mom was at the press conference. She passed out when that happened. She heard it and she was like, he's going to kill himself. And she fucking fell over. And scary, right? Then oh, yeah. that's when the famous Bronco chase happens. Uh, helicopters were looking for AC's white Bronco. It wasn't OJ's white Bronco he was in because OJ's was at the police station full of blood. Uh, and AC bought the same fucking car as OJ, which I found was fucking like, what kind of a douchebag are you? So at 5.51, about less than an hour after the thing was read at the press conference, uh, a person on the freeway saw OJ 
and called the police. There is a 911 call for it, but I'm not going to bother. I didn't feel like it. He says that it looks like OJ's in the car next to me. And the, the guy's like, really? <laughs> like, oh my God, they're all looking for him. Uh, <laughs> AC then calls uh, 911 and pleads with them just to let OJ go home and see his mother. He says OJ has a gun to his head. This chase, I don't know if you guys know much about it, but it was the most watched thing on television that year. 95 million viewers. All right, just to put that in perspective, 90 million viewers for the Super Bowl that year. They actually interrupted game five of the NBA finals with the Knicks and Rockets to watch the fucking slow speed chase. Domino's Pizza had record sales for that day. Three pizzas? (laughs) It was during the Noid advertisement years too. So they're like, Jesus Christ. We sold four pizzas. People were actually gathering over overpasses with signs encouraging OJ to continue going with the slogan from his Hertz thing. Go OJ, go. (laughs) Yeah. All while officials were pleading with OJ to stop. Uh, Detective Lang, who was one of the detectives that was looking through OJ's house. He remembered that he had OJ's cell phone number from that interview and calls up OJ. OJ says a few more suicidal things to him. Just over two hours, the chase was done as he arrives at his estate to his son, Jason, waving and gesturing wildly. OJ went inside the estate holding a framed picture of his family after 45 minutes of sitting in the idle Bronco. Uh, He went inside, spoke with his mom, and he's said to have had a glass of orange juice. What a douchebag. I don't know if you guys know much about serial killers, but... BTK, Dennis Rader, do you guys know who that guy is? Yeah, yeah, he used to go into people's cupboards and eat cereal because he was a cereal killer. That's what he said. He was like, I'm hilarious. Like he's a douchebag. OJ going to drink orange juice. You can go fuck yourself, OJ. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of funny, honestly. Like if I was a serial killer, and it's like you're kind of like breaking the fourth wall and then you're also eating some of their food. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, you would like Dennis Rader. He's the biggest dink there is. Yeah. <laughs> I like big dinks. <laughs> I cannot lie. <laughs> that was the one that kept everything on a church computer, right? Yeah. And then he, that's how he got caught. He yeah, like asked the police. Right. He's like, can you guys like, if I erase stuff on a floppy disk, can you guys trace that? And they're like, no, we can't Dennis. <laughs> no, we can't. And he went, okay, good. And then he sent them a fucking floppy disk and it brought him right back to the church. What a fucking moron. Uh... About an hour inside around 10 PM, Robert Shapiro, one of his lawyers arrives and OJ surrenders minutes later. In the car, the Bronco, AC's Bronco, they find $8,000 in cash, a disguise with a fake mustache and a goatee for OJ, <laughs> <laughs> his passport, and a gun. Was it, was it Ron Goldman's mustache? <laughs> yeah, it's just a big, tippy mustache. They'll think I'm Ron Goldman. <laughs> or Fred They'll Goldman. They'll think I'm Fred yeah. Goldman. <laughs> so he's like trying to escape yeah. with a fucking goatee. Like, what a psycho incredible you know because his head was so fucking big too that it didn't fit right <laughs> so like a, a normal person fake goatee was just like a soul patch for him. it's like the reverse of when you're like six-year-old tries to dress up in your suit it's just the opposite it's <laughs> like you trying to get in your six-year-old suit <laughs> yeah it's a it's a whole goatee but it's only right here on the yeah, bottom yeah. of his chin it doesn't even go around his mouth yet just goes yeah. around his chin his butt chin Uh, yeah so here's all the oj uh the evidence they have against oj okay so the footprints match uh fancy italian bruno maglis that oj owned uh there are photos with him wearing the same pair so much dna evidence 
The defense will tell you that the DNA evidence is planned because they took that vial from OJ at the police station and it was eight ounces of blood or whatever the fuck it was. But when they finally got it four days later, the chain of custody didn't follow the blood properly. They only had six ounces of blood. Okay, maybe. I fucking doubt it, okay? Yeah. The, the drops, okay, well, here. Uh, so there's blood drops found at the gate of the murder scene near the bloody shoe footprints at the scene. Blood drops match OJ's genetic markers. The gloves, one of the crime scene in one of his house, both covered in blood, both OJ and the victim's blood profiles on the gloves. There's pictures of him wearing these fucking gloves at sports commentating things for ESPN. And uh, the whole fucking if your glove doesn't fit, you must acquit thing is stupid because OJ is trying to put on gloves like he's never put gloves on before. Like he's just first time seen gloves. I don't know if you've ever seen this video, but he's like holding his hands open like this, trying to jam on gloves. Nobody wears gloves like that, OJ. Right. Well, he's also he's also arthritic and your shit gets all like uh swollen and shit yeah. shapiro is said to have told him to stop taking his arthritis medicine and we're going to taunt they basically taunted uh, they also taught uh the defense attorneys said i dare you to make oj try and wear the glove and that's what fucking uh what's his name did the i forget his name right now chris whatever darden darden got taunted by them when i'll make him put them on there's also many other theories why he couldn't fit the glove. Uh, it was in cold storage, frozen for so much. It was soaked in blood. There were uh, like there's so many different reasons he had to wear a glove, like a uh, latex glove over his hand to not fuck with the evidence on the glove to put the mm-hmm. glove on. Uh, that all these things combined, like obviously OJ is not going to fucking fit in the glove. He didn't even try to put the glove on properly to begin with. Plus all this other shit. Right. So like, okay, there was a hair on the hat. Uh, that they found at the crime scene, it matched OJ's hair. There was hair on Ron Goldman's shirt that also matched OJ's. There was bloody socks found in OJ's bedroom that matched Nicole Brown's DNA. Jill Shively saw white Bronco speed off so quickly from the crime scene uh, around the time of the murder that it almost hit another car. She sold her story to National Enquirer for $5,000 so they couldn't admit it into evidence. They also couldn't admit the Bronco, the slow speed car chase or the Robert Kardashian uh, note to evidence because so many people had seen it so they would said it would fuck up the jury but whatever they didn't put that shit in the the court case either which makes them look fucking guilty as shit there's many allegations of police m- misconduct in this case but there's too many raw facts to say it wasn't oj uh the dna alone nowadays would just sink anyone you'd be on death row i'm not going to go over the full trial trial i said that earlier just because i want to keep the politics out of it i just want to put the facts out there okay the defense attorneys claimed, I'm just going to say this, the defense attorneys claimed that uh, all the evidence was fudged because the police were all uh, corrupt and wanted to make black people go to jail. I'm going to say like mm-hmm. maybe one or two pieces of evidence, but like every piece of evidence that uh, came out, doubt it. I think OJ did it. That's where I'm at. There's a couple more theories still though. So what'd you guys think of OJ? I'm, I'm leaning towards him still can't uh, really shake off the dog. So, <laughs> yeah, I actually I have no I have no theories besides OJ did it at this point. I mean, you had me in the first half, but based on all the evidence that I heard, OJ definitely did it. Yeah. And, and, and the rogue, the rogue investigating I've done prior to ever even having met you guys leads me to believe it was someone else anyways. Yeah. So the next one's OJ's oldest kid. That's the next theory. Jason. Yeah. Uh, and this is a widely po- uh, believed one because genetic mar- oh, DNA isn't what it is now. 
Okay. There was four sets of DNA at this crime scene. One of them was never figured out who it was. Mm. The second part of that is that there was fingerprints, 15 that were unidentified. And OJ really stressed on the kid, leave my kids alone. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Jason Simpson, OJ's oldest with first wife, Marguerite. Uh, being actual murder is one of the big theories. William Deere wrote a whole book named OJ is Innocent and I Can Prove It, where he claims he has evidence that no one has ever seen and points towards Jason being the killer. Jason and Nicole didn't get along while she was alive. They were always constantly fighting. He was in his 20s when he actually was married to his dad. She was closer to age to him than to OJ. Her friend, Chris Jenner, said that uh, Nicole opened up about her marital problems with OJ and one of the major problems was that her and Jason weren't getting along. So this is corroborated in a couple places. Jason was an adult. I think he was 25 when this happened. So he was the same age as Ron. At the time of the murders, Jason was on probation for a 1992 assault with a deadly weapon charge. He had attacked his boss with a kitchen knife and beat him pretty badly, putting him in the hospital. He got two years probation for this after pleading down to disturbing the peace charge rich kid this was actually the fourth time jason had been arrested and the second time being arrested for knife related crimes he stabbed one of his ex-girlfriends so bad he almost killed her he also cut off a piece of her hair with the knife after he was done uh oh yeah i couldn't figure out when exactly this happened it's only coming from this william deer guy from all i could see by by piece of her hair did do you mean he stopped here when he was cutting or was he cutting from here yeah yeah from near the neck or up near the scalp yeah, yeah. Was he was he cutting her hair yeah. from uh, from the the throat here all the way to the vertebrae to get a piece of hair, or <laughs> going right from the front of the neck back? Yeah. Gotcha. You you froze at the best point, by the way. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I I thought you were confused by what I was saying because you were like this for a good thirty seconds. The other two charges Jason had were DUI uh, and one was a DUI and the other was driving with a suspended license. None of the unidentified prints at the scene were ever tested against Jason or any of his siblings really. They never tested any of the kids for anything. There was also DNA under Nicole's fingernails and on her back that didn't belong to OJ, Nicole, or Ron. And Jason was also never tested for that. The Navy style beanie that was found at the scene covered in dog hair. There's literally pictures of him on the internet wearing the exact same hat right beside a dog. OJ didn't own a dog. Jason did. And the pictures of him months after the murder, they have the same style beanie he's wearing, Jason, except for it's just a different color. It's like a beige color instead of blue. Mm. Other Jason evidence. Deer rummaged through Jason's trash in 1998 through 2001, and he found a prescription bottle for Depokote. D-E-P-A-K-O-T-E. I don't know how to say it. Deer says this is a med for intermittent rage disorder, which is also called Jekyll and Hyde disorder. But I don't know how he gets there. I It can also be used to treat seizures or headaches. Maybe he had seizures and headaches. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Jason also went to the doctors at a certain point at Mount Sinai uh, when he stopped taking the drug. And he filled out a medical form that uh, I guess Deer got. And it said he uh, on the thing... Jason wrote like what's your symptoms he wrote I feel like I'm going to go into a rage Jason was working at the restaurant uh, was working at a restaurant called Jackson's at the time of the murder Jason couldn't attend Sydney's dance recital that day because he was sous chefing that night at his restaurant Jackson's so instead of going to the recital he had actually suggested to Nicole 
that they go, her and her family go to his restaurant after the recital, which she said she would go, but then later changed her mind the day of the recital telling Jason that his restaurant was, quote, too expensive. There's also accounts that Nicole just didn't tell Jason at all. He just, she just stood him up and didn't go to the restaurant. I would have hated to have been the fucking prosecution during this case because there are so many fucking leads. Like, I prefer the cases where there's, like, no leads and you have to make it up, like, the last case that we did. Mm. This one, it's, like, there's so many paths to follow that you just get so distracted. You don't know what the fuck yeah. to do. And, and the prosecution had a hard job because they were also fighting against, like, the whole Rodney King thing that just happened two years before. They were trying to, like, like I said, I don't want to get into the fucking politics of the whole thing. But it, this whole thing was, like, at the end of the whole trial. Hold up for one yeah. second. I understand that. The color of skin is not political. <laughs> it's not politics. When when you're yes, it is. It completely is. It Are is, you kidding me? Well, hundred percent. I I don't know what it's like over in Canada, but that is when you're talking <laughs> about when you're talking about an entire institution not caring about someone's color or their skin. That's politics. It can be political. I understand that is that. politics. Yes. That's exactly I, what they did. They politicized this whole thing. I don't think institutional racism. It is, is politics. I understand why it might seem like that, but I don't think it is. I think they are two completely discontented because dis discontented things because politics is more of a, like I don't want to say an idea because racism is also an idea, but like um like a a, a choice and a mindset like your your ideology versus uh, I don't know maybe I'm talking myself into it. It is though. It's it's completely I, politics. It's completely. <laughs> In this, I love, I love, I love the effort put in, and then Richard's just like, no, no, <laughs> no. But if you're, I don't know, maybe I'm on his side. Maybe it's politics listen, at this point. I, I don't know. Your it has been made that way, but it's like calling it's it's like calling um coronavirus politics now. Okay, wait. Right, only stop. it. This, right. this not. is not what I'm saying. Yeah. Race is not politics. You're correct. What they did in this using race in this case was all politics. They used it that as is, a tool. That's, that's a very yes. cogent way of they putting use, it. Yes. Yeah, they use, yeah, they use race as a tool in politics. And they do the same thing with COVID. So that, yeah, I think that's fair. They took this, uh, Rodney King and all the beatings from the police, and they took that to get OJ off. Like they, they used that political landscape of what yes. was going on at the I'm, time. They exploited it. I'm, I just want to clarify something. And then the only reason I, I even bring it up is because when, when people equate systemic racism with politics over here in america they're generally wearing a red hat that wants to make it great again so oh no i'm i'm that's not i know that's not you i'm just saying like that's that's usually the vibe it gives no, no, i'm not saying like just the whole system is a political move no what i'm saying is this case right. was all politics it was not uh based on facts if this was based sure. on facts no, I... you'd be in fucking jail like Right. I, I see much more where you're coming yeah. from, just for, for the listeners sake, so that they don't <laughs> think you also have a separate podcast. Uh, for all, for all three about... Americans that listen to this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were sequestered for like a year, like the jurors. And they were like, there's so much crazy shit. I don't even want to like they got Jay Leno to go to their hotel because they couldn't watch TV or anything. To perform stand up to them, the ten, the twelve jurors, or the twenty four with the extras. Jay Leno just did a personal so show sad. to them because Lance Ito is like they're not entertained. Like there was so much fucked up 
like crazy yeah. shit. We need we need to do something to to make their lives worse. Let's put yeah. Jay Leno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make them sit through an hour and a half of Jay Leno. I hope. I, anyways, I'm getting no commercials. <laughs> no breathing. No breathing room. <laughs> Just lispy, big chin hackery. Uh, and now, Pez dispensers. <laughs> no, but he made a mockery of it on his show too. He had like the dancing Edos. You remember this shit? Like, anyways, he he. This whole court no, case was, was like two years old. I don't know how old do you think I am. I don't remember any of that. Well, I don't know how much you looked at. I didn't. Uh, I've like looked into this in your life. I don't know. I, I'm the age where anything that happened uh, prior to 2001, I only know about through references and other media that are made. To yeah, it. I gotcha. Like, yeah, he family meant to say guy. 11. Listen, with this podcast doesn't doesn't step around that, RJ. You can say 9/11 <laughs> here. We've we've established that. Oh, I was just mean. That's when I finally became a conscious human being. I think that's when most millennials became conscious human beings. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty interesting what they could accomplish with slaves in America back in the day. Anyways, back moving on. Uh, <laughs> I broke you guys. Thought we weren't going to talk about politics anymore, I Richard. I don't want to hear about your politics. <laughs> so you do have a red hat. Yeah. <laughs> he's got. He's got all. The reason we're doing this one, and the reason he knows so much about it, is he has a really dedicated second podcast, but it's all about Mark Furman. Yeah, Mark Furman. <laughs> all right. Okay, so she said she changed her mind. Some people say she told him and she changed her mind the day of because it was too expensive. Some people say that she didn't even tell Jason at all uh, that she wasn't showing up to his restaurant that he made reservations for, her, I guess. Uh, so William Deere claims that all of Jason's mental health issues combined with the fact that Nicole promised to go to his restaurant set Jason off. And he waited for Nicole that night. And then he killed her in a fit of rage after stopping taking his meds he had taken he hadn't taken his meds in like three months or something uh and ron was just in the wrong place at the wrong time delivering the glasses ron had many wounds on his hands that looked like he had hit someone that night like knuckle wounds uh but oj didn't have many bruises he only had that one hand cut and when oj was in the lapd custody he basically stripped voluntarily and there was no marks anywhere on his body pictures and everything so jason was never examined where are those pictures yeah i, I bet you they're in some fucking drawer somewhere threatening oj with as soon as you're done paying off the goldmans mm. you're mine <laughs> jason was never examined so they didn't know if he had any bruises or anything like that deer even suggests that jason doesn't even have a good alibi so his alibi was that he was working late that night till about 11 p.m uh, but his punch card at work was written in by hand that night even though the punch machine was working so i used to work where there was punch machines and if you fucking missed it your boss would write in the time and then like initial it but it looks like he just wrote in his time at 11. So where did, did he live at home? Honestly, I think he lived around them. Like, in because he had a bunch of guests. I was, I'm not sure where Jason lived, honestly. I know it must have been not far because he was around in a lot of places for this. He lived in the Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah, but the, okay, the blood on the Bronco is what gets me. So was there blood on the Bronco or did they just take some liberties and say, oh, there's some blood on the Bronco. We're worried about it. There was him. blood on the handle of the Bronco going in and on the, in the steering wheel. Yeah, but like, do... Okay, was it that? I mean, do we believe the police? That's the problem here. Like, <laughs> well, that's this is you're going all Johnny Cochran on this. This is exactly what Johnny Cochran did. Yeah, but there's, well, I mean, there's blood soaked fucking socks in his house. There's blood drips all around his house. There's blood. Okay, but if you're if you're the, the son and you're terrified, if you're the son and you're terrified, you run to your dad. 
right? Yeah, this so, is the, this is how the theory moves, right? Ar- fuck it, arrest them both, you know. Deer bought a storage locker owned by Jason Simpson, and it contained a double-edged knife. Deer claims the knife has been studied by world-renowned forensic scientists and claims that the butt of the weapon matches the wound on Nicole's head. Deer also got Jason's diary, which is very violent and knife-based. One entry reads, it's the year of the knife for me. I'm going to cut away my problems with a knife. He was also trained with knives at the military academy, which I found that's an interesting, like, who trains you with knives, like knife training day at the military academy, but cool. Wait, that is a real quote? I swear to God, yeah. It's the year of the knife for me. Case closed. (laughs) How do we, how do we get any further than that? There you go. He may as well have written, man, I, this year I cannot wait to go and kill Nicole Brown Simpson and whoever (laughs) is sleeping with her. What I don't understand is like, how do you, how do you find this shit? And it's like case closed that easily, but this, the fucking prosecution is so hard on for like, does the glove fit? Well, I mean, I would honestly, because because R- Richard is speaking to that in some ways, that defense was shady and illegal as fuck. Like they were all bad people, every single one of them. Like to to think that Johnny Cochran didn't die of karmic cancer is wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was a bad guy. Johnny Cochran was a bad asshole for sure he like manipulated the shit out of the whole thing Mm -hmm. they took advantage of the fact that it was high profile so they could obfuscate things in the media and and that and that's like a tactic that like shines through to this day it's not quite as like in your face but they they do all kinds of things like the people the public opinion makes a decision prior to you know anything that happens in an actual trial and that basically taints the hope of ever finding an impartial jury and and if you were to do a jury or a jury of OJ's peers, it would have been a bunch of people from Brentwood. It would have been a bunch of white rich guys and girls, right? But right. Like he he angled it to not have to do that. You're right. He did. He he played it perfectly. Like he fucking played them so hard, and they fucked up. They the, the prosecutors fucked up really. But oh yeah, let's go. There's even more. Right. Because I'm not I'm not convinced he did it. I think he knows who did. And yeah, it, it could very well be. They found the knife. It was a double-edged knife uh, that they found that said matched like the butthead thing. But the police already, like the forensic people from the trial say it was probably a single-edged knife like because of the skin ripping that I told you about earlier, right? So Mm. that may or may not be part of it. Who knows? Here's the craziest part to me. This is the most compelling part for OJ's kid to me is that OJ hired his son, a criminal attorney named Carl Jones the day after the murders before anyone was questioned. All right. Yeah. No, I'm changing my answer. The son did it. And the father's just, you know, not being a shitty father. So good on him, you know, props to OJ. on well, that one. No, I think it's I think it's worse than that. I think because with OJ's DNA being there, I think he was there and he either enlisted his son to help him or ended up being there while he was doing it and either tried to stop him or he did it and, and called OJ after the fact. And OJ showed up and was like, get out of here we'll take care of it. I think you're right. I think it was, I think it was, he called the dad after the fact he went there, ran up on it. That's why he's doing That's why the blood was in the car. That's why he panicked. That's mm-hmm. why, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that all lines up. There's no, there no prior history of suicide, right? Like what would make you push yourself to that? Not mm-hmm. just killing somebody. I mean, g- generally you don't kill somebody. In the, yeah. I mean, murder suicides have a lot more to them. Sorry. Go ahead. Instead of just being um, fully, you know, like, 
able to just like take the fall though too it seems like oj's ego is too big and he still needed to be innocent as well as his son getting away with it which is why i think this went as far as it did because had he actually been you know like the hero dad which is still gross as fuck people need to be held accountable for their actions he just was like no i didn't do it don't look over there but i also didn't do it gotta remember when that slow speed chase was done Jason was there, the only person outside, like waving at his dad. Was this like him just being like, Dad, I'll take the heat. Don't worry about it. Stop doing what you're doing. Don't kill yourself. And OJ went inside. They had a conversation. You know, I I don't know if Jason was inside, honestly. I know his mom was inside, but I don't know if Jason got pulled away by the police or not. And But why hire the lawyer? There's so much to the Jason thing that I think the last theory here that I have, OJ and a partner theory, it's an interesting one. Uh, it piggybacks on both the theories and kind of mashes them together. It's the basically the same as the Jason story, except OJ comes in uh, to help clean up the evidence or OJ helped the son with the murders. So many people think the murders happened too quickly for OJ to have gotten away in the Bronco and make it to his limo that night. That other person would have had to have helped him just to make the, the murders happen quicker and everyone get out of there at the same time. And even though OJ got a conviction of not guilty in the criminal trial, he did, however, lose the civil case to the Goldmans for wrongful death. He was ordered to pay the Goldmans over $30 million in damages, and he's paid less than 1% of that over the years. Yeah, so any money OJ earns now has to be given to the Goldmans. They can't touch his pension from the NFL, but everything else is free game. So OJ still just lives off his, his like, I forget how much, I think it's 5K a month or 10K a month or something like that. It's, it's enough. He lives off enough. All right, so OJ told everyone that uh, a, a ghostwriter came up to OJ. His name is Pablo Fenjivis, Pablo. Anyways, he came to OJ with a book, and he wrote the book and then got OJ to approve it. This is what OJ says. But the, the ghostwriter guy, Pablo, says that OJ and him sat down and wrote it together. So I'm going to believe the ghostwriter guy. Uh, but the book was called, after everything was said and done, it was called If I Did It. He got his two kids uh, that he had with Nicole, uh, Sydney and Justin, to basically start a publishing company. And they were the one publishing it. So they were going to get paid, not him. So he tried to find a loophole in the system to get them the money. He would pay that like they would pay OJ, excuse me, on the side without him knowing. He bought his truck, but the Goldman saw right through it. They're like, fuck you. We get this money. So what they did is they got the rights to the book. Hmm. Okay. And they can't, they already had like a bunch of copies already printed of the book, but they scrapped those copies and they wrote a new chapter of the book, like a forward and, a, and an afterward, I think, in the book. And they changed the if font on the front of the book to like a very tiny font. So it basically just looks like I did it, the OJ Simpson story or whatever. But there was a, in the book, there's one chapter that basically OJ admits to killing Nicole and Ron. Uh, He says Nicole charges him. He throws her to the ground where she smashes her head. He says that Ron gets into a karate stance and he and his friend just went on a killing rampage. He keeps calling his friend Charlie. Could Charlie be Jason or AC or somebody else random? I'm going to go with Jason. He's doing press for this fucking book and goes on national television, basically laughing about what happened. So I'm more after reading a lot of this. I'm more to think that like Jason is Charlie. Jason lost his shit, stabbed Nicole and Ron. And uh, OJ helped cover it up, if not part of it. I I, I think OJ was, 
like I think the way OJ describes it is what happened. I was trying to get a copy of the book, but I'm too cheap to buy it because I'm not going to read it. I just want to read the chapter. The money goes to the Goldman family. Come on. That mustache wax doesn't buy itself, baby. Yeah, I know. I, and, and I feel bad for the Goldmans because o, OJ will never pay them. OJ, like in prison, OJ was signing shit left, right, and center. That's how he was making all this under the table money. When you said the like sign some jerseys for him, that's what OJ would do. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't claim it all. He'd claim some yep. of it, but yeah. Yeah, Rick had to duck. Did he say that? It's beer o'clock, baby. Let him go. Well, he his theory was that uh, Jason did it, right? That's what he ended up with. I mean, yeah, he, he just ended up agreeing. I mean, that's what I think, too. I mean, it's everything is there to be like because it's messy enough and it's unclear enough and they didn't investigate him, Jason, enough that it just makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like it to me, the way it all lines up, it just he just comes like shining through. It's super compelling. And I'd love to see them retest the DNA now with like the genetics we have nowadays yep. like, and see what the advancements are and see what happens. Uh, but it would be really fruitless. And I, I don't even know, like, do you think after a trial, they keep evidence or they just chuck it? Like it'd be done with what's the point or they keep it for just in case they find the real killer. I guess? Right. And I don't know what the compatibility is with the results where if like somehow they tested Jason's DNA that they could match it to what they already, I don't, I don't know if it works that way. You know what I mean? And I don't even know if like it has like a shelf life, like blood or whatever to. No, you can get DNA from like 150 year old. Like you can get DNA from like thousand years old. You know what I mean? Mm. DNA is pretty uh, resilient. But the, the, the other thing is, though, I have a hard time believing that Jason did it in a couple ways. Just for the fact that like, OK, sure. Let's pretend that the cops planted all OJ's blood. Sure. The evidence is wildly compelling. <laughs> OJ, I think it's way more compelling with OJ. There's footprints of shoes that OJ had. His feet were soaked in Nicole's blood. He went there. Where's all Jason's shit? I guess they didn't search mm-hmm. Jason enough. I guess maybe that could be it. I, I, I Listening to that fucking 911 call makes me think that's, Yeah, that's is, what I mean. I think I agree. No, I agree. He's, he's, a, he's a fucking lunatic, and that's why he would do something like go there see her dad and kind of just be like good and then help his son get away with it the hiring of the lawyer is what gets me what makes me think jason did it really because why would that even be hired before anybody's questioning oj they still thought oj might have been dead at this point right like they didn't get any dna test back or anything like that i don't know i i I... you'll be yeah so are we going to tell oj that his kid did it and you helped him clean it up are we going to tell oj that no no you're going to tell him that (laughs) <laughs> yeah i live in the middle of nowhere the juice can't yeah. come get me here give him rick's address he's not here to defend himself yeah exactly yeah, yeah rick rick had to leave he got scared yeah. we know too much that's why rick left he's like we know too much now. Yeah. Uh. you find me at one two three south american country on any given day lane <laughs> as if that little wiener left already it's not even nine o'clock I got on early. I, I was like, oh, let's do this early because we need maybe an extra hour. And he goes, oh, let's end an hour early. What if <laughs> <laughs> well, now's the opportunity to drag him. Oh, now we can trash him. Yeah. Rick gets Rick gets more like gets dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking killed him. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Roasted. Take that. <laughs> OJ, buddy, figured it out. Yeah, tell me who the uh, who the culprit is. Uh, Richard says your son did it. 
and that you covered it up. No. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we know you had a hand in it, OJ. We know you did it, and Jason did it. Well, this is blasphemous. I'll stay out of Los Angeles because of the private case and because the real killer is still out there. The real killer is your son, and I'm glad you covered it for him. We actually give you kind of some props, OJ. That's what a good dad should do is cover up their son's crimes. Uh, I wouldn't do it because I'm not an asshole, but I mean, good for you, OJ. I don't know what to say right now. This isn't the case. <laughs> but if I did do it, I'd say I'd do a pretty good job of covering it up if I did do it. We've heard. <laughs> if I did. No, we've heard. If I did it. Oh, fuck. We took a case from somebody in debt. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no net worth left here in the United States. I'm a broke man. Do you see? This is why we haven't made any money. And Ben Park still owes us fucking money. We're like full of debtors. Yep. We're fucked. Damn. Thanks, OJ. You fucked us again. Is Bobby good at lawsuits? <laughs> I think so, yeah. All right. <laughs> Big thanks to Cole Blenner from Beers and Bullshit for playing the part of OJ. You the man, bro. Let's, uh, let me put on my OJ face here. I wouldn't put on an OJ face. That'll get you in a lot of trouble. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 2021. I can't do that anymore. Bob? Bob, can we say that? I just watched Private Dicks and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're gonna stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And... If you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Hi, I'm Celeste. Hi, I'm Richard. Hey, I'm Christy. And I'm Tally. We're the hosts of Unethical Podcast. Every episode, we take a humorous dive into a case study that poses an ethical question, like... Should mentally ill murderers ever be released? No. We discuss what the outcomes of these cases are and what they should be with a unique guest host every episode. Richard needs some more testosterone around here. Nah, I think it's mostly coming from Celeste. Girls are mean. Our podcast is no holds barred, true crime, comedy, adult content, and definitely not for everybody. But, but like most people, most people aren't like can handle swear words and stuff, right? Am I right about that? No. No. You can subscribe wherever you eat your podcasts to listen. Follow us on Instagram where we post our teasers to guess what's coming next. And join us on Facebook to get involved in the conversation. Welcome to Unethical Podcast.